Hey, Geeks Radio listeners, all these years you've listened to the Totally Super podcast, the Trek Off podcast, the Pop Off podcast, and wondered, hey, is there a way I can get my message out there on these podcasts? Well, finally, there is. You see, we're making a brand new movie called Cancellation. The plot of the movie is this. What happens when your stereotypical sitcom girlfriend realizes that she's just a character on a sitcom and that sitcom is coming to an end, which means she's going to cease to exist? Can she convince her friends to help her fight against the show just so they can all survive? Well, that's the question of the movie. And you can help us make it by going to Kickstarter and donating to the movie. You can get there easily. Just go to getcanceled.com. That's getcanceled.com. Now, Kickstarter always has rewards. And one of the rewards on there, along with the other millions of awesome things you can get, actually allows you to get a message out on Trek Off or Totally Super. That's right. You get the reward. You're going to get a DVD with it and a poster, digital downloads of a bunch of stuff you can't get anywhere else, and a chance to get your message heard on Trek Off or Totally Super. Now, there are other rewards. Go check it out. It's going to be an awesome movie and we really, really need your help. So I'm asking you, as someone who's listened to our podcasts, to please help us make Cancellation the motion picture. Okay, on to the show. The following contains plot spoilers and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's the podcast where two fishy men named Justin and Arthur talk about a just man named Arthur who talks to fish. This is Totally Super. What? (laughs) What? That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) let let me just say that after 30 years of the most commonly known pop culture figure named arthur being an anteater uh i am 100 behind the idea that if now when people say arthur they think of jason momoa i'm i'm i'd like to just say right now i'm totally on board with this i swear the next time i see you i'm gonna get indian food and i'm gonna go curry arthur and you're just gonna get so (laughs) mad at me (laughs) <laughs> uh, welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Tim. No, no, it's it's Arthur. And- Clearly, it's Arthur. <laughs> and today we are reviewing the uh, the 2018 mega smash from just like a month ago. Aquaman, the unexpected Aquaman. mega smash of Aquaman. Because this movie was a joke, guys. This movie was a punchline. This was they're making Aquaman. Oh, they're desperate. Oh, the, this is this is the end of the DC universe. This the worst idea ever. He's the he's the crappiest super friend. Why in the world would you? I mean, he's been the butt of jokes everywhere. Why in the world would you make an Aquaman movie, especially spinning off a Justice League movie that nobody liked? Why in mm-hmm. the world? Would you make this movie? This is it. This is the this is the death of of the DC cinematic universe. Um, it is worth noting that as of this time, um, and bear with me really quick. I'm just going to give you exact numbers. Um, as of this time, uh, Justice League, uh, which had a, a budget of 300 million. Has brought in a box office of six hundred and fifty-seven point nine million, um, so which it's, is it's just about broken even then. It's yeah, it's fine. Uh, this film, uh, Aquaman, the spinoff of Justice League, and let's keep this in mind: Justice League was was DC going all in, right? Here's everybody. Mm-hmm. Here's everything. You get everything. Here's Batman and some Aquaman too, but you know it's just little Aquaman. This movie, as of this recording. On a budget of 160 to 200 million, so that's 100 million less, has pulled in 1.108 billion dollars. Get the heck out of here! This movie, that this movie is the highest-grossing film that DC has ever put out, including all of the original Batman's, including the Dark Knight trilogy, including everything that has come out of the DC Extended Universe, including Suicide Squad. This film is the is the the biggest thing that DC's ever made. It is the 23rd highest grossing film of all time. Um it is it is a monster. <clears throat> this film is a monster. I had no idea and it, was, it was, a, was that big. Yeah, it was a joke. It was a joke. No one thought that this was a good idea. I mean I and I listen to a lot of podcasts and they're like Aquaman? The one who talks to fish it really? Really? <laughs> um 
Yeah. Yeah. This I guess is the thing a, I can kind of get that the uh, it was sort of a joke. But even when like when Justice League was coming out, uh, you know, there was talk about the oh yeah, it's Henry Cavill is uh, Superman again. Oh okay, yeah, Man of Steel. But then there was also Batman v Superman, and then it's like and it's ba- Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck back as Batman. And there's the, okay, we're still not sure. Yeah, this is seeming pretty just similar to all the other stuff. Oh, yeah. And then we hired Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Go on. Like, that was the casting that made a bunch of people's ears sort of perk up. Like, especially in the geek community. As going, wait, call Drogo as Aquaman? Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll bite. Um, And I will say, I feel like this movie... uh, uh, this movie is definitely one of those things. It it has its flaws for for sure, uh, but one of its big redeeming factors is that it rides on the charm of Jason Momoa. Like he's a delight in this. I I would say that he's very charming in it. I I don't know if I would call him delightful, um, but I would call him charming. We'll talk about it. Um, yeah. But I but you can't deny the success of this film. This film is is a smash by the like this is this is what dc needed this is a shot in the arm that they like we keep going okay that's it dc's done they're done they just can't keep up sorry i mean wonder woman was the fluke they just can't keep up but this this was just blew everything out of uh, out of the water so where so so we both saw this late right i mean where were you and what was your experience of watching this film uh my experience was very similar to my experience watching Glass, which was on a, which was yesterday afternoon alone in a in an AMC. Um, I had, and this surprised me when I, I thought that I was going to have a similar experience. I went to go see it. Um, my uh, my mother came into town uh, very late, mm-hmm. and she was just kind of crashing here because she uh, she is a flight attendant, so she was crashing here and then and then going off to work. Um, and so she came in at about nine and she was like, hey, uh, I'm just going to go to bed. But if you guys want to go out, I can I can be here in the house with the kids. And she like laid she like crashed on the couch on my middle floor so that um, so because the kids were upstairs sleeping. And Kelly and I just went out and, and she goes, what are you going to go do? And I said, we're going to see a movie. And she's like, oh, what are you going to see? And we said Aquaman. And she goes, oh, how romantic. <laughs> Which uh, if I can just give a shout out to my lovely wife, uh it's so awesome that I have the kind of wife who like she's like, yeah, we're going to go see Aquaman. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um. So uh. so, yeah, we went and we expected that same experience that you had. I was surprised to find out this is just a couple. This is like a week and a half ago. Um. I was surprised that the theater had a lot of people in it. Probably. I mean, it wasn't full, oh, yeah. but it probably had 20, 30 people in it. And then the next day I had caused to go back into the theater because I, I dropped and lost my credit card um, in the theater. And in the theater, when I went to go look for my my card, the show, the movie was going, and the theater was three quarters of the way full. Uh, this film is still, still pulling in cash. So, wow. so yeah, it's, it's, I had a very different experience. I saw it. It's, it is in the smaller theater. You know, it's no, no longer in IMAX. Uh, glass is in IMAX for reasons I don't understand. Um, <laughs> for reasons. And, and, and this is, this is in a, in a small theater, but I did see it with some, some people in there and people seem generally enthused by it. My wife was generally enthused by it. Um, I have my own feelings, but, uh, um, let's talk really briefly, I guess, then about, uh, the character of Aquaman. Um, Aquaman, mm-hmm. uh, Aquaman first appeared in More Fun Comics 73 in November of 1941. He was created by Mort Weisinger and Paul Norris. Um, he is best known, I think. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but to the general public, he's best known from Super Friends, I think. Yeah, I think that's that where everyone kind of knows him from. It's uh, the 1970s movie uh, or 1970s, 1980s show. Uh, Super Friends, and then also he has appeared on the Justice League cartoons and stuff, but I don't feel like he ever really got into the cultural zeitgeist the way that that other characters did. Um, I had a general knowledge. This is my knowledge of Aquaman. The Aquaman was stupid on, on the Super Friends show, and then I knew that he got cool, mm-hmm. and I knew he grew a beard and got cool, and that's well, all he I He got very cool. He, <laughs> Uh, so you do you know more about the Aquaman character? Have you read well, the Aquaman? Comics? I know with the, the moment that he got cool. I mean, I don't know a ton about it, but this is a, like the moment he got cool was um, as King of uh, Atlantis when a he grew a beard, and then uh, there was a, 
an instance where uh, like the bad guys had kidnapped his wife and son and had chained him to a rock, uh, you know, far below the ocean waves. Um, and in order to rescue them, because he knew they were in danger, he sawed off his own arm in order to escape. Uh, and then so for a while you saw him with, he essentially had like a, uh, like a harpoon, uh, for his left hand. Um, but it was a, uh, (laughs) like he got, he went like, he got so bearded harpoon hand, like bad ass Aquaman was, uh, that was his incarnation for a while at least. Yeah, I had I I knew that he had grown the beard and the long hair and that they it's like they tried to keep Aquaman by having him be cool. But to me, he will always be the guy who they had to shoehorn in some ocean thing so he could go underwater and go. And then. Yeah. And I think that was the main mistake. That was the big mistake with Aquaman um, by including him in the Super Friends and everything is that it's you. The thing is, Aquaman, he kind of like. This sounds cheesy to say, but, you know, he's in his element when he's in the ocean. Uh, And so if you're telling ocean based stories, then, yeah, he's a fantastic character who's (laughs) capable of doing all these things. But if you're going to include him in a group of super friends and all of those other super friends are land based, uh, the majority of your super quests are going to have to be on the land because that's where, you know, the majority of the characters are. Uh, So, of course, he's hamstrung. Um yeah, I think that it might have almost been a disservice to the character to include him in the Super Friends because it forced him to continuously be in situations where he really wasn't that helpful. Well, and I think that the, there was that sense, and it was right around the 90s, um, uh, the, the, like right around the 90s, he had a... Um, the, the, all of comics got to the point where they were like so super cool so much to the point where like Cyclops had like 30 buckles and I was mm-hmm. never into the super super cool um, I was never into the super super cool comic book characters I've never been a fan of Gambit um, just like that tendency to make everybody awesome um, never mm-hmm. stuck with me uh, so it was easy for me to to Right off the cool Aquaman as a as a gross overcorrection, but uh, but I think that the the impression that I've gotten from people who've read comics is that Aquaman is not only cool but he's become this super interesting three dimensional character. Um, so I am like I I'm down for something that I wasn't expecting, and so that that's that's Aquaman. Let's talk real quick about. Before we jump into the plot, uh, so you like you're a fan of Jason Momoa? Uh, yes, I should uh, with a caveat. It's I am a fan of Jason Momoa because I always like watching actors who clearly are just having such a great time. Um, I don't think he's the best actor in the world. Um, the uh, but it is one of those. It's you know when I said he was charming and delightful. It's that delight that I mean is that it's like I can see him enjoying himself all the time. Um, and that, that enjoyment and that charm, I think helps compensate for, uh, for some of the, you know, for lack of a better word, flaws in his technique or, you know, stilted dialogue that he's been given to say, for example. Um, I do think it is interesting that Jason Momoa, who really, his first big thing on the scene was as Khal Drogo, who is you know, about as dark and brooding a character as you can get in Game of Thrones. Um, you know, I don't think said a single word in English in the entire time. He was just like, basically, he was this big, muscular, brooding character. Um, and then kind of with Conan uh, was sort of a similar archetype to that. But since then, he has become more known as somebody much more akin to his actual personality in real life, which is as a, you know, big, tall, still beefcake, but just goofball who's just having fun. Like you, you get the sense he's like everybody's, uh, he's like your fun cousin who comes to visit all the time. Yeah. To me, he'd be my uncle Pat. So I totally, yes, totally get that. Um, and then I just want to give a shout out before we get started to the director, uh, James Wan. James Wan uh, it came up in horror. He is the creator of Saw. Uh, he wrote oh. the story. Um, he, he he wrote the story and and was one of the crew. Like he directed uh, in 2003 a short film that was the uh, the pitch to make Saw. 
So Saw was not just a movie he directed, but was actually something that he and someone else came up with the pitch to pitch to studio so he could get the money to make the original Saw. So he directed mm-hmm. Saw, um, wrote the story for a bunch of them, uh, directed a movie called Dead Silence and Death and Death Sentence. Um, and then when the torture porn horror had worked its way out, he then directed Insidious and The Conjuring. Um, which is the kind of the new wave of horror that's going on right now, the spooky horror. He helped he helped usher in but two different um, er- eras of horror movies, also directing Insidious Chapter 2 and The Conjuring 2. In the middle of all that, he directed Furious 7, one of the Fast and Furious movies, which people were like, what? You're getting, the, you're getting the Insidious guy direct that, but Furious 7 is by all accounts. And I've never seen, I saw the first two Fast and Furious movies and gave up. So I've never seen the other Fast and Furious movies. But I hear that the later ones, uh, 7 and 8, um, are actually really, really spectacularly good. Um, yeah, so that's what I've I'm, heard as well. So he went from that to finally nailing Aquaman. I just love watching people come up. With you know, and maybe it's because this is what I wish to God I could do. Um, but somebody who said I want to be a director, and I'm gonna, I, I want to be a director, and I want to, to, to make it, and I'm gonna do it on my own, and and I'm gonna put myself out there, and I'm gonna come up with an idea, and I'm gonna push that idea, and push myself forward and forward and forward and forward. Um, I love seeing that. Uh, it's it's fun to watch. You know, you know, almost like local boy makes good. You know what I mean. And mm-hmm. it was uh, it's it's fun to watch someone's career kind of explode that way. So I want to give some credit out to the director because as my focus these days has been on what happens to directors and how directors come up. Um, if I may, uh, I if I can have your permission to do this real quick. Um, Absolutely. At the time of this recording, we're recording this on February sixth, twenty nineteen, and we will be re- releasing this episode on February sixth, twenty nineteen. Um, we're recording at twelve forty three in the afternoon. I imagine this episode will actually be up by like. 2 2.30. At the time that this is released at 2.30, anybody who is listening on the 6th who's like, oh, I'm on my way home. Um, uh, it's a new Totally Super. Yay! Um, we are in the last hours of the campaign to make my, to make my next film, which is called Cancellation. Um, we are the at midnight tonight, the the Kickstarter for the film ends, and we are um, we, we are no longer able to take donations. We are at, uh, at the time of this recording, about $4,250. Uh, $4,500 is pretty much all we can expect for today, but i really, really like to be able to get there. So if people are willing to to jump in and help that happen, if there's any way we can make it to $5,000, it would really like, significantly affect the film because there's a good set of lights that I want to get. Uh, we have a new director of photography who's going to be helping us out a lot. So so anything that anyone can give to help make the film, uh, one of the the prizes or the perks uh, when you go to Kickstarter, if you uh, like, is that I'm going to have digital downloads of every podcast that we've done, um, including all of the Trek Off podcasts, which is like 200 something hours, all the pop off podcasts that I did with Arthur. Um, uh, you'll have be able to do a digital download of um, of all of these, um, which is just it's an enormous amount of of content. Um, so I hope that you are uh i hope that you are able and willing to do that because it's a it's a cool opportunity to get like 200 300 hours of stuff and to help me make a cool thing so thank you uh it's oh go to getcanceled.com that's g-e-t canceled c-a-n-c-e-l-l-e-d getcanceled.com uh to get hundreds of hours of entertainment okay thank you arthur for letting me do that oh sure of course all right so uh now that i have plugged away um would you like to give the plot I would let me uh, boot up my word processor here where I've written out a bit ahead of time. Okay, here we go. The plot. It was a dark and stormy night. A lighthouse keeper named Thomas sees a beautiful woman washed up on the rocks and rescues her. This beautiful woman, played by a suspiciously young Nicole Kidman, turns out to be Queen Atlanta of Atlantis, who has fled an arranged marriage. The two fall in love and bear a son named Arthur good name. But shortly after, the soldiers of Atlantis arrive to take their queen back. Although they defeat the soldiers, Atlanta realizes that unless she returns, her son will never be safe, so she goes back to the ocean, leaving Thomas to raise their son. Flash forward to the present day, one year after the events of the Justice League film. A Russian submarine is attacked by a gang of vicious pirates, led by a father-son team, who have an impressively healthy familial relationship considering that they lead a gang of seagoing murder hobos. The crew is rescued by Arthur, now grown and superpowered. 
During the battle, Arthur leaves the pirate father to die, which enrages his pirate son David, who vows pirate revenge. Meanwhile, beneath the waves, Arthur's half-brother, King Orm, the king of Atlantis, meets with King Dolph Lundgren of some other sea kingdom. They decide that it is time to make war with the surface dwellers and send massive tidal waves around the globe. King Dolph Lundgren's daughter, Princess Mira, goes in search of Arthur and tells him that he must return to his ancestral home of Atlantis and claim his place as the one true king. Despite his reluctance, Arthur travels with Mira to Atlantis, where they meet Fulco, a suspiciously wholesome Willem Dafoe. Through flashbacks, it is revealed that Fulco trained Arthur as he was growing up, and also informed Arthur that his mother was sacrificed long ago to the creatures of the Trench. Falco says the only way for Arthur to assert his place as king is to find the lost trident of Atlantis. But before he can begin that quest, Arthur is captured by King Orm, who proceeds to whoop him hard in single combat. Princess Mira rescues Arthur, and the two embark on the quest to find the trident. What follows is a journey quest that would make Indiana Jones proud, taking them to ruins below the Sahara Desert and atop a mountain in Sicily. There, they are attacked by pirate son David, now equipped with Atlantean technology. Uh, so he had kind of been hired by King Orm to do another job, and then they both wanted Arthur dead, so they allied. It's, it's a whole thing. David now calls himself Black Manta and almost defeats Arthur. But with Princess Mira's help, they throw him from the mountain into the sea. Arthur and Mira journey to the hidden sea at the Earth's core, beyond the monsters of the trench where they find Arthur's mother, Atlanta, alive and well, still played by a suspiciously young Nicole Kidman, though now with gray hair, who survived the trench but has been trapped in the hidden sea ever since. Arthur faces a mythical giant monster called the Carathian in order to gain the trident, which recognizes him as the one true king and gives him command over all of the ocean's creatures. He returns to Atlantis just as King Orm leads an attack against another race of uh, ocean creatures called the Brine in order to win their army and therefore be declared Ocean Master. No, really, this is one of my favorite parts about the film is that the most impressive title in all of the Seven Seas is Ocean Master. Uh, And then King Orm can begin his war with the surface in earnest. But Arthur, with the aid of the powers now granted him by the Trident, easily bests King Orm and his army. He embraces his destiny and takes his place as the king of Atlantis with Princess Mira by his side, while Queen Atlanta, in a very touching scene, returns to the surface to reunite with her lost love Thomas after all this time. Credits roll, with a brief scene that reveals that the Black Manta is in fact not dead and is still bent on revenge, just in case, you know, there's a, a an Aqua sequel. Fiend. So there's a lot to unpack here. There's an enormous mm-hmm. amount to unpack here yeah um the how do how do i say this the 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 movie is is ridiculous and and if you if you're not ready for that if you're not ready for the ridiculousness mm-hmm. of the movie um i think that i think that you're not going to have a very good time if you're if you are yeah. unable to to stop, you know, smacking your forehead and going, ah, yeah, I couldn't bring my mom to this movie because she'd be like, uh, this is stupid. It is. There's so mm-hmm. much that's stupid. But underpinning all of it is a is a fairly, wouldn't you say, a, a fairly classic um, archetype of story? Massively archetypal. Like the whole time I was watching it, possibly more so than any superhero film that I've seen in recent memory, uh, this I mean, listeners to the podcast have heard me uh, mention the word mythic pretty much every episode. Uh, But this one in particular really actually follows the archetype of a true myth. Uh, Joseph Campbell, who is a theologian uh, some 20 or 30 years ago, uh, famously identified an archetype called the hero's journey, which when you think about like 80% of fantasy adventure and sci-fi stories are uh basically involving a hero who is you know born and raised in uh relatively humble beginnings like say you know son to a lighthouse keeper or you know a moisture farm on tatooine uh who then discovers somehow his true identity and therefore must depart from home in order to embark on a quest in order to gain some kind of epic uh item which usually is something physical but is also metaphorically representative of something uh he must en- 
endure several challenges along the way that test his skills as well as uh, sort of build his character. And then he gains the item and returns to his homeland, bringing a boon back to his people. Uh, Hercules, the the original myths of Hercules follow this. Like it's, it is truly cross-cultural. And this film is about as close to the hero's journey in superhero films as you can get. You've got Arthur who does not want to be king, but reluctantly in order to save his people, uh, in this case, the surface world, you know, embarks on this epic journey that takes him to all sorts of very imaginative places and uh, then gets this epic item, which then asserts his true ability and he returns, defeats the evil overlord and takes his place. Um, the And that archetype is, to me, both the strength and the weakness of this film. Uh, I... I loved the imagination involved in some of the locations that they created for this. Uh, something, you know, you know, the ruins below the Sahara or, you know, all of the di- different undersea kingdoms, like the, you know, the journey through the trench with all the trench monsters. Like there was a lot in this movie that mostly because of its oceanic location, I, I had not seen before in most superhero films. And that was great. The problem is, is that when you're doing something mythic, it is extraordinarily hard to avoid cliche. And this movie was chock full of cliche. There were so many times when a character said something and it wasn't really motivated by any actions or things that had taken place in the film, but you just got the sense that it's like, oh, in this part of the hero's journey, this is what a character says. Um, when Queen Atlanta, when she's speaking to, when literally two minutes after reuniting with her son, having no idea about his past at all, says, oh, you're going to be more than a king. You're a hero because kings only care about their own people. Heroes care about the world entire. That is a great line when it is motivated by somebody who actually knows the character Uh. of the person that they're talking to, (laughs) which Queen Atlanta does not. Um, So like, that's the thing is I, there was a lot of paint by numbers in this plot that it's exactly what you say. And it's ridiculous. And some of these scenes are ridiculous in the best sense of the word. I mean, big ocean battles with fish attacking each other. Like it was awesome. I had a great time, but it's so stupid at points. You're totally right. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, I, I'm going to stand by my, my initial statement that, that there is a way to enjoy this film. Um, 100%. This, this is a film that I don't know that we can do what we would normally do with a superhero movie with with this film. I don't know that this film is the film to do that with. Um, I did notice one thing, and it, it occurred to me when I was watching this, when they were shooting bullets at his you know, almost bare chest and they were bouncing off and stuff. And I, it occurred to me, mm-hmm. I finally understand the difference. And it's funny you say mythic. The difference between DC and Marvel. All of the Marvel characters, or rather all of the DC characters, right now as presented, are gods. Um, the the mm. exception might be Suicide Squad, but even Batman. Um, we've, we'll eventually get to Justice League, and we'll eventually get to Batman v Superman. But Batman can break through boards, and when you see him like beat up like 20 guys... There's nothing not super heroic about him in that scene. He doesn't seem like a guy beating up a bunch of other guys. He sees like, mm-hmm. especially in in uh, Batman v Superman, when he fights the guys, it's just like he's able to do superhuman feats of strength and and speed and just astoundingness. Um, and and that is the there's not a ton of humanity to him all he is is batman all the time and he's amazing at all times and like everyone this is a story about the gods among us uh suicide squad is perhaps oh that's a really good point that um, dc it, especially it, is about gods among people yeah which is um, much more akin to the old greek myths and oh and and their and their human characters are all are all undergoing the same experience even even Batman is, is going on the how do I fit in in this human world, even though I'm a god? 
That's all. It's mm-hmm. the same question that they all have. Like Superman has Henry Cavill. Superman has it. And I want to say this is not true of all of the DC offerings that have ever happened, but specifically the version that is out there right now with the DC Extended Universe. It's the, that is the underlying story of everyone, with the exception of Stu- Suicide Squad. And um, I mean, it's the same thing. It's 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 how how do I exist among all these people? How do I do my best to seem like a person? Um, Mm-hmm. So I realize that that the the story is never, you know, how do, how do I deal with life? Um, where Marvel is, you know, Marvel is very much, you know, Tony Stark is always Tony Stark in the armor. He's always a dude. He's always got problems that he has to deal with. He's the guy who's mm-hmm. who's going up to going up to fight Thanos while you know while being yelled at by his fiance because they were just talking about wanting to have a baby. You know, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's that's. Like, like their their stories and their problems are always human. Whereas, I, it occurred to me this almost more than anything. Like, we don't know how his powers work. We don't know why they don't do the oh uh, the pressure underneath the water gave us superhuman skills and that is why we can no we just we can do this stuff. That's what we can do. Mm-hmm. I can control water because, like that's like and if you're not ready for that, if you're not ready for the the mythic nature, the things that you're talking about. Um, where people can just do stuff because they can. I don't think that I don't think that you're going to be happy with the film. I think that the film fails in almost every way to explain why it's doing any any of the things uh, that it's that doing. It's doing. <laughs> um, and and it's you know the, there are there are times when people use their powers uh, just because. Um, you know, when she like when she has to 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 pull a, a bead of sweat off of his head to get something working because he just she just has to find the moisture. And yeah, he has the joke. I could have just peed on it. Yeah. Or either one of you could have spit on it. Yeah. Like it's, you know, that, <laughs> that's funny. like 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 it's really it's not that hard. But, you know, we have to show mm-hmm. that look what I can do. Like it's it's, do. it's 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 a movie. No, I was ta- I was talking yesterday. Um, on the last episode of Trek Off with Alexia about um, about some things she doesn't like about Discovery and some things that she does. And one of the things that she said is she doesn't like spectacle for the sake of spectacle. It needs to drive the mm-hmm. story. And I disagreed with her. And I would say that is if you need to come into this film ready to sit back, turn off your brain and look at some wacky crap up on the screen. And if you're ready to do that, I think you're going to have a good time. But I mean, yeah. I, we could go into the finer points of the plot and character stuff, but I, I just feel like it's all it's all really really dumb yeah i mean there's there's holes all over this story um the question is at the end of the day is the spectacle and the enjoyment and some of the character interaction and uh performances are they enjoyable enough that you are willing to forgive uh the massive cookie cutter nature uh of the plot itself um i will say uh because we talked before about one of the big differences between DC and Marvel films up until this point is uh, the first difference is that DC is always super serious. We do not joke in these films. Uh, clearly, this movie was trying to do something different. Not always successfully, like when he says, you know, like in that moment of him saying, well, you know, I could have just peed on it. It seems like something less motivated by what the character of Arthur would say and more like, oh, hey, here's an opportunity for a joke. Let's throw it in. But, you know, they're trying Uh, in the same way. Marvel up till now has painted in very primary colors. It is unafraid to make its heroes on the screen look like its heroes on the page. Uh, They don't shy away from the, you know, the crazy colorful costumes and This is the most colorful DC film that I have seen, even more colorful than Wonder Woman. Um, And when Arthur appears as Aquaman after having getting the trident, nope, they put him in orange and green. And, you know, it's a very, you know, they make the fabric a lot cooler and, you know, it's sort of scaled and everything. Uh, But it is. Nope. That is the iconic Aquaman character. And he uh, does so actually do the whoop, 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 to get the fish. I mean, he yeah, does, it does like it actually happens. They're going they in the right direction circles. here. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, they, they he does circles, and it's even the same sound. Like so, I they are they are ironically enough, like they've 
basically taken the film of Aquaman, which is of all of the Justice Friends characters that you should quote unquote be kind of ashamed of. And this is this is the film that is the least, with the exception of Wonder Woman possibly, this is the film that is possibly the least ashamed of its comic book origin than any of the other DC films. Like they embrace everything about this character. No, I agree. I, I agree with you. By the way, I'm not going to gloss by the fact that you called them the Justice Friends, which is amazing. I don't I know totally if that was called them the Justice Friends. <laughs> you called the Justice Friends. From now on, that's what they're called. They're in my life, you've changed my life. These are now the Justice Friends. Yeah, <laughs> this is amazing. That's incredible. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that even, I think that even um, Wonder Woman you know, was afraid of the costume to the point where you had to show a lot of other people in the costume first before you'd show her. Like you, you I think that mm-hmm. it was, it, it was, even that was kind of like, we're really, really, really going to try and ground it. And there's no, there's been yeah. a tendency lately in superhero films. Uh, and I can really point to guardians of the galaxy, especially guardians of the galaxy two. And, um, and then jumping over to, uh, to Thor Ragnarok, a tendency to let's make this all as incredibly wild and, and light show and color as we can. Um, it's a, mm-hmm. I think that we're going to look back on these films as being the way that we look back on the matrix films and like the black leather and stuff as being a product of its time. I think the day is going to come. We look back at, Oh yeah, that's what they were doing at that point in, 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 Science fiction, fantasy, superhero movies. You're right. There is a trend in that. That's it's a trend I enjoy, but um, I would not be surprised if it eventually phases into something different. Yeah, because I'm. It's Um, it's, one thing. The first time I saw it, first time I saw it with like the Arrow in Guardians of the Galaxy two, I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing! Um, It's so bright and colorful and pretty. And and Thor Ragnarok, I thought that too. And at this point, I'm already doing comparatives in my head, going, oh, that's pretty cool. But I'm not. It's it. It no longer seems groundbreaking. So I think four or five more movies like this, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, okay, got it. Okay, let's, um, let, let's get back to the dark dystopian. Thank you. Yeah. Um. I want to let. Let's just call out some like some more ridiculousness. Um. Amber Heard, um, who is not great in this film, um, and whose hair is ridiculous, and whose character the makes hair no is sense. Whose yeah. whose character makes no sense. Um. Is is goes from being utilitarian to nonsensical, um, uh, and and some of that is her fault because she just doesn't do a great job, and some of that is the is the script's fault. Um, and I don't know how it's one of these things where I don't know how to do that this character better. I didn't like what she did, but it's so silly. I don't know how to have done it better than she did. Um, I I uh, I agree one hundred percent with your statement there. I will say to to the film's credit, at least, um, I don't believe there was. They never damselfied her. Um, I no. don't think there was ever a time when Arthur had to rescue her, and arguably she actually rescues him on more than one occasion. Um, no, I think so the, the film's was... tr- treatment of women is awesome, actually. Uh, yeah. I think that, that especially Nicole Kidman, who is not, she's not digitally younger in, in the future scenes. She just is, has aged insanely well. That may be the case, yeah. Yeah, she is just, I was, I was, she was, you know, but she's, She's fine in this. Um, Willem Dafoe is mm-hmm. is phoning in a Willem Dafoe defo- performance. Can I ask you a question? Were you bothered by the CG Willem Dafoe and CG young Arthur Curry when he's teaching him how to swim and stuff? Because it was some of the worst CG I've ever seen. Like it was, I, it the was CG at- overall. This, I mean, I was bothered by the CG four minutes in in that first fight uh, in the lighthouse that's showing like uh, Queen Atlanta, you know, like flipping over the couch and everything like that. It's like it was okay. So you go back to Matrix Reloaded, um, like yeah. in the fight with all the agents and everything. Like at the time, there were moments where it's like, you know, you, you see the CG in it, but it was so groundbreaking at the time. You were like, no, that's still pretty amazing because the idea of not seeing the CG had not existed before. Um, yeah. We have had now 10 years of not seeing the CG, like the CG oh, being good enough to be transparent. You're so cute. Um, I think I think Reloaded came out well, well over ten years ago, but it's funny. Well, no, I just mean I, I, I'm being a very general thing. Um, the uh, because Reloaded was far from the last film where we saw the CG. But oh my uh, gosh, you and I are so old. Re- Reloaded came out in 2003. We are so old. It's 16 years face. old. You shut your face right now. That uh, film can drive um, now. <laughs> yeah, that film can drive now. Uh, 
But yeah, that yeah, there were a number of occasions in this that I was just like, guys, I expected a little bit more budget to be spent on the fine tuning of how this about of how these effects looked. Um, because yeah, the effects looked about ten years behind the times. Yeah, it's I'm I I go back to um to CG Legolas uh in the in the the cave troll. Yep. In like mm-hmm. like where you can tell that that's just not a person, um, and it mm-hmm. just it you know that and and frankly i found the cg hair underwater to be really distracting um when mm-hmm. their hair was floating around i was like clearly their hair is cg um yeah and it, now, it was just think respect setting entire setting an entire film underwater that that presents a series of very difficult challenges that it's not like there's been a ton of work done in this area before so i will i will acknowledge the difficulty of the task Sure, sure, absolutely. But it's, you know, all I care about is whether or not I'm distracted by what I'm seeing. And I am. I am yeah. distracted by 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 these things. It pulls me out. Willem Dafoe is, um, you know, I feel is just kind of phony. And Patrick Wilson, um, I, I have to say, by the third time that he sat back and went and yelled, oh, <laughs> to the I was like, I was like what? what? What is this choice? Like, I understand doing it once, but like you had three opportunities to do this and three times you just are going, oh, that was the choice you made. <laughs> like, you're, yeah. you're really standing by that. Was, that's 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 a commitment. There, there. there was another thing that jumped out at me in terms of like <laughs> it, it, talk about recurring themes. If you go back and watch them, the number of times that they reveal a villain or a powerful moment or something by the by the close up on the person's face uh sort of slow motion and like and they're they're looking down and then there's like music in slow motion and then they just look up and that's like a oh big moment thing like that that was the reveal of just about every major villainous character at least once sometimes multiple points throughout the film that was the way that it was revealed oh yeah no it's i mean again it's dumb it's what i have to tell you it's it's so incredibly dumb. Why in the world, like, like, I don't know what the monster. I forget what you told me the monster was called, but it's Cthulhu, right? Like Cthulhu is in this movie. It's it's you have it's, you have Cthulhu I, voiced, and I'm not kidding, by Julie Andrews. That was Julie now, Andrews. Oh my god, that's Julie amazing. Andrews decided not to do Mary Poppins Returns, <laughs> so she could voice Cthulhu. <laughs> You know what? I'll be honest. I I am very impressed by that decision. I am impressed by the fact that they asked Julie Andrews to do it. And I am doubly impressed by the fact that she said, yes, absolutely. And to a certain extent also, I love that Nicole Kidman was like, yeah, let me do this superhero film. Why not? Do you know we're not talking about it all? We're not talking about Black Manta. Do you know why? Because does anyone care about Black Manta? They like, sure for the first fifteen minutes they sure wanted us to, but then after that it's like the film forgot. Like the if the filmmaker well, forgot the, about would, him, and then when he comes back, it's like he's the protagonist that you're coming back to. You know, he appears in this movie about as much as Michael Keaton appears in Batman Returns. Like he's he's you're coming back to him. You're seeing he's building the suit and he's building the. And I think it's all just because yeah. they wanted to show the suit from the comics, so they needed to ease you as an audience member into it. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't care about they, they that. Could have, they could have just instead of instead of saying, "Hey, here is this random suit of armor and this gun that we're giving to you," and then he and then showing a long scene of him taking the gun and the armor and combining it all together. You could have just said, "Hey, here's this suit of armor with a gun in it that we're giving to you." Like his costume could have just been Atlantean tech. Like the Atlanteans could have built that suit just exactly in its finished condition. There was no need for the suddenly he's <laughs> suddenly he's sea pirate Tony Stark. Well, there was no need for him in the plot, really. Like he was, it's this weird. I just uh, I don't care very much. Mm-hmm. The actor I mean, does the, fine. That's the scene. The, the scene I, in, yeah, in and it's the scene in stereotypical Sicily where everyone's either a nun or a bread salesman. Is is, is so so Sicilian. Like it's yes, like there's none, no one else. Salesmen are old. Like salesmen are old. They don't have like they don't have like telecom workers or plumbers there. Nope. 
No, but it's all just it's all just bread, <laughs> bread and flowers. It's all they have there in all of Sicily. I don't know how <laughs> the infrastructure there works. Um, like there are no landlords. No, there's there's just people yeah. doing bread and pasta. That's it. That's all they have in yeah. Sicily, evidently. And let's blow it up. I will say. Um, Story-wise and character, one of the things they were trying to do with Black Manta, or specifically with Arthur's relationship with Black Manta, is another sort of hero's journey thing of, so Arthur specifically leaves uh, David's father to die in the sub. Um, it's a moment where he has a choice between mercy or justice, uh, you know, and specifically just chooses to turn his back on somebody who's begging for help. Um and then later on, you know, which, of course, is what fuels the villain's total revenge. That is a classic archetype thing of the hero makes a moral or just makes a choice early on in their lives that then has terrible consequences later, which causes the hero to reflect on that choice and wonder what would have happened had I done something different. When done right, it is a tremendous way to show character growth. Um it's uh, I mean, so many of the great myths are about moral choices being metaphorically given physical form. Uh, and that's what they were trying to do. Like they even had the scene later where, you know, Arthur and Mira are talking on the boat and he's saying, yeah, I he's yeah, he's coming after me because of this thing that I did. And I feel bad about that. And I regret that. Like so it was, again, one of those paint by numbers thing. They were like, oh, this is the scene where the hero reflects back on his choices and regrets them. However, it was not done well. It was it just like so much else in this film. It was we're doing this because this is the part in the story where this happens, as opposed to does the story itself motivate it? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I just have to keep jumping back to to if if you're here for story, guys, um, it, it's it, it's not why you're here. You're here to watch Jason Momoa be, be, you know, Jason Momoa. And you're here to watch you know bright, this, shiny things. You know what this story is? If, like, um, this is a story, like, if a 12-year-old had sat down and written this story, um, you know, filled with all this cool stuff, and then this thing happens, and then there's this betrayal and all that, you would read it and you would say, oh, wow, this, this kid's got some potential. Like you're this is a this is a fantastically imagined like 12 year old written hero's journey. So that this is, so this is uh, this is a good solid a minus maybe a middle school project. I would I would give this an A in middle school hands down because it showed that this kid had imagination. And even though, you know, even though they didn't know how to motivate certain aspects of the myth from within the story, like. Clearly, they were they were glomming onto the archetype. Uh, I would read this and say, I want to see what this person is doing 10 years from now. Absolutely. Okay, so um, so so if you so, if, if, if you see this as the if you see this as the fever dream of a 14 year old middle schooler, this is actually quite an impressive film. So but the difference between you and I, of course, is that I actually live with a middle schooler um, yes. and also a seven year old who went, uh, um, like I said, I'm in pre-production for this movie, so I needed a day off, or I needed an empty house so I could have a bunch of, of people over, we could we could have meetings. And so uh, to that end, um, uh, Mrs. J went out with, uh, with uh, the two kids to see Aquaman after she and I had already seen it. And mm -hmm. I was not sure, because it's a long movie, I was like, I don't know how they could handle it. They loved it. They thought it was amazing. They thought it was the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. Especially my seven-year-old thought it was the coolest just so cool. It, Aquaman, he did not walk away wanting to pretend to be Aquaman. He didn't like walk away with Aquaman as his favorite character. But I think he thought it was the coolest movie that he's ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I think that you're right, that it, this is the, the fever dream uh, of and for children. And that's what this kind of, it's the you, first you DC know what universe I'm reminded that's for children. You're totally right. Yeah. You know what I'm reminded of is... Uh, when John Stewart on the Daily Show was interviewing uh, George Lucas, and this was you know years and years ago, um, and John Stewart was uh, admitting, and he was saying, "It's like, yeah, no, I have a ten-year-old kid, and my ten-year-old kid's favorite Star Wars film is hands down the Phantom Menace." And I keep trying to explain to him, "No, it's not," but he refuses to listen. 
uh, I mean, this is this is the Phantom Menace. There's, you know, a whole stupid plot, uh, but so much cool stuff for kids to just delight in. Yeah, except the except the difference between this and Phantom Menace is the pacing on this is is it's brisk enough. Enough happens that you know. That yes, one hundred. Yeah, this is. Totally. Let me. I'm, what I'm saying is that I may like the Phantom Menace more, but this is better than that. Um, yeah, I don't like I don't like this better than Phantom Menace, but this is better than that. <laughs> um, but how but how <laughs> good is it? Imagining Arthur? that if if what what if King Orm and King Dolph Ludgren sat down, it's like okay, we need to discuss our trade disputes. <laughs> Yes, let's cut away from this great this great action and go to go go to a, a city planet where there's nothing but long dis- like in like they, it's got all the same pieces, but in this it's like hello crowd of people now we fight you know that's, that's, now we fight yeah <laughs> um pacing so on a, infinitely on, better on a scale of one to five um aquatic warriors riding on giant seahorses what would you give Aquaman oh man. So I was coming in uh, with just a solid three on this one. Um, I'm so torn on this because it, this is one of those ones where it really depends what kind of movie you're in, you're in the mood for. If you are in the mood for a you know a superhero film that, in terms of story and dialogue and all this stuff, is of the quality of like what these other Marvel films have been recently, then this film comes in at like a two two point five. Um, but there is some it, like it's just the, like I said, it's there's cool stuff that I haven't seen before. It's uh, I I I had fun during the film because the like even though there were stupid things, the pace was fast enough to get through the stupid things to another cool thing like, oh, man. Um, I mean, I personally might give it like a three point two five, but I would find it hard to argue with somebody who gave it a two. Um, I mean, the highest I could possibly see anybody giving it, uh, would be a 3.5. Like, and that's a thought. So like there, there's the range. Um, I, you know, it's interesting there, there's the kind of joke, uh, and family guy does this a lot where, uh, where there's a joke and it's funny at first and then it stops being funny and then it goes all the way back around Mm -hmm. to being funny again. And that's how I felt about this movie. I, was enjoying it at first because, you know, it's a superhero movie and I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a period of time where I'm like, all right, I get it. Uh. And then the movie's so dumb that I went back around to really like, I ended up just kind of sitting back in my chair, <laughs> like in, in a in a mental sugar coma, just smiling <laughs> yes. through the last half of the film. I think it's safe to say the, that the I, half of the film was so much fun. I enjoyed this movie better than, you know, eventually when we finish the podcast five years from now, we'll, we'll rank every superhero movie ever made. We'll put it all together and go, where would we rank it? We'll take a whole weekend mm-hmm. to just work that out. We'll come over and we'll, we'll, you'll come to my house for two days and we'll just sit there and we'll, we'll try to find a placement, a consensus of our, of our favorite films. I would put this above probably even the first Thor. It's not better than the first Thor, um, but I had more fun watching it. Um, I don't know if I like yeah, it more than the yeah, first Thor, sure. but I had more fun watching. Mm-hmm. I was smiling through a lot of this film. And so I'm going to I I think the film deserves like a 2.5. I think it doesn't deserve mm-hmm. anything more than a 2.5. And yet I'm inclined to give it a 3.5 because it is a the financial shot in the arm that DC needed B a, oh, a, a willingness true. to a, a willingness to go away from the deadly serious, but it still has some of those Zack that on the boat, especially when the scary things are coming, it has those Zack Snyder shots where like everything slows down and the lightning and you could just get these epic mm-hmm. could be giant, could be the you know airbrush side of a van. You know, like, like, like you get those, the, <laughs> you get those this is the movie, this movie is the equivalent is the an aquatic equivalent of the airbrush side of a van. Yes. I, I cannot dispute that. Um, I would I got to give it a 3.5 just for for the sheer audacity of making a movie this dumb and and yet crazy enough to be as fun as it is. Um, that's an achievement. Like it's do you ever watch the TV yeah. show Chopped? You ever watch Chopped? Mm-hmm. Once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the concept of Chopped is that uh, you're given a bunch of ingredients and you have 30 minutes to make an amazing meal out of it. And sometimes those ingredients are like cotton candy, raw tuna. Cool Ranch Doritos and 
soil, you know, and you have to come up with something. And and this is this is one of those terrible baskets of ingredients that the director is like, okay, there's no way we're going to do this, but I'm going to make you a meal that at the end you're going to be eating. You're going, I shouldn't like this, but this is this is. Like my my son who 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 dips his pancakes in syrup and then in ketchup and he says it's amazing. I I have not had it, but he says mm-hmm. it's incredible. Um, it shouldn't work as well as it did, and and for for the the sheer achievement of making it work as well yeah. as it did, I got to give it a three point five. Totes. Um, I will. The last thing I'll <laughs> say about it is, and and the way that you've described it, it makes me think of uh, you know, they say, and I agree with this. It takes far more courage to be sincere than to be cynical. Uh, to be sincere means to allow yourself to hope, to be idealistic, to to reach for things that sometimes fail a lot. Cynicism protects you from failure, but also means that you can't quite achieve those same heights. Um, this was a very courageous film in that sense. Um, this movie aimed high. Um, and it aimed bold and it and in ways that DC has not done for a while. Uh, I will I will really give it props for that. Um, it failed in a lot of ways to do that, but it was a sometimes it's sometimes it's really fun to watch the magnificent effort of somebody, even if that magnificent effort ends in a failure. Yeah, let's be clear. This this movie, this movie is a hair's breadth away from being Batman and Robin. It's that silly. It's that dumb. Yes, yes, it is. Um, mm-hmm. And and it swings. And, and you know, you can hate Batman, Batman and Robin all you want, but Batman and Robin swings for the fences in what it's trying to do. Ultimately, we all hate what it's trying to do, but it swings for the mm-hmm. fences in in terms of tone and in terms of style. It has a, a definite point of view on how to do this, and we all hate that point of view. But it's not. You know, no one's going to say that it's. It's bland. It's a magnificent failure. This is, you know, this is this is watching. You ever go 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 to the circus and you watch like you have all the people on the high wires, but then they put like a clown up there on the high wire, and the clown looks like he's always about to fall. You know, it's it doesn't look graceful or anything. But never but quite p- does. That's that's part of the act is that he looks. You know, he's probably the best. You know, person on the highway of the entire group because he can make it look like it's oh no. Um, this movie comes so close to just being an absolute crazy failure. This this could have been the worst, and yet mm-hmm. I had a really good time watching. It's it's it defies yeah. a, it's explanation. This is a fun film, guys. I you know what I would say this. Yeah, no, I find think we are in the complete big, agreement on that. If you can find it on the big screen, see it. I think this movie is not going to hold up well on an iPhone. I will say this. I think on an iPhone yeah. you'll be bored. I think if you can find it on a big screen, yeah, you kind of need the spectacle. Yeah, it's it's. I, I if you do it, it big sound, big, big, and it's still out there. You know, fi- find it like while you can still see it in, in in loud and 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 you know just sit closer to the screen so you can get the experience because that's what it is. Just let I it, will say let, if you're if you're looking for a random matinee like Saturday afternoon, what do you want to do today? Oh, hey, let's go do this. Aquaman is a very good choice. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's here's an, like it's an interesting thing. This film, you know, we talked about Glass last time. Glass is better than this film. I like this mm-hmm. film more, and I keep saying that. Like this, this, it's like it, it, there's a difference between between quality. You know, like no no one no one is ever going to say that filet mignon is not better than Starburst, but. Mm-hmm. When I bite into a Starburst, I'm like, mm, especially if it's been a while or or a Mountain Dew. I used to love Mountain Dew and I don't drink soda anymore. But when I do have a Mountain Dew, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I'm not yeah. insinuating that. I Mountain tell you Dew what, is- if I saw the two films next to each other on Netflix, I can guarantee you that Aquaman's the one that I'd choose. Over yeah, the it's, to watch it's, again. it's yeah, it's it's in every measurable quality, it's inferior, and yet somehow mm-hmm. it's 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 swings and it's and it hits connects um it's so good job james wine good job guys i'm curious to see what you do yeah. next time are you going to double down on the dumbness are you going to double down on the comedy are you going to like take to heart the like uh, what what is coming next for aquaman because guarantee we're going to be seeing this guy at least twice even if the next one fails they're going to go oh that was the fluke if they can make a billion dollars they're going to yeah. try so uh we'll, we'll I see mean, and i'll be goes. honest i really hope they keep pushing in the same big and bold direction 
yeah, it's, it's I don't it's, want them pulling back. It's fun. I'm 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 excited. So that's it for Aquaman. Um, uh, just like last time, I'm not sure what's coming next. Um, I will say this, everybody. Uh, we are, you know, like I said, I'm working uh the 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 campaign for the film ends today, and then I'm going to be working on the film for the next little while. I'm still going to try to be available to get a new show out every you know seven to ten days. If we miss a week or two in between now and the end of March, uh, bear with us, uh, because um. If you've never been in a production on a film before, it is all encompassing. And so there will be weeks that mm-hmm. I'm just not able to do it. I'm going to try. But if I, you know, frankly, going, sitting down and watching a movie right now is is super hard for me um, because of we're making one instead of watching them. Um, mm-hmm. So bear with us. But uh, we will keep trying to bring you the best superhero movie reviews ever made. For now, my name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And again, When I say my name is Arthur, I want you all picturing Jason Momoa in your mind when I say that. And hey there, true believers. Stay wet. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) One last reminder before you go to go to getcanceled.com. That's getcanceled.com to help us make cancellation the motion picture. Look at the rewards there. Look for opportunities to hear your voice and your message heard on Totally Super and Trek Off. Please help us make Cancellation the motion picture by going to getcanceled.com or looking up Cancellation on Kickstarter.